Amen. Thank you, brother. What a blessing it is to be back. Praise the Lord. Amen. It is a wonderful thing to be back at our prison here in upstate New York. We've been out for three years with the two years of COVID, and then the one winter of 19, we had a snowstorm that closed us off from getting to the parking lot. And then uh, I believe it was that next uh, summer, they had a shakeup at the prison with different uh, chaplaincy uh, takeover. So that we kind of got shuffled through the deck that time. And uh, praise the Lord, uh, after COVID, two years of COVID, uh, this year, uh, we got the paperwork in. We had to reapply, but we got all that settled in for me and my wife and go back. The Mid-State Correctional Facility, and uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to schedule for at least twice a year for uh, till the Lord comes. Amen. That'd be great. We're looking forward to that. We had a interesting trip up uh, this year. We were in um, the Pensacola area of Florida. Had a prison at Santa Rosa Correctional Institution at Annex there. A, a Sunday afternoon service last week, just this last Sunday, and uh, got out of the prison and. Started driving north, but we were in a little different part of Florida because we usually come up from, from the Jacksonville area, but this time we were way out on, in the panhandle, so we had to uh, take that diagonal shot through Chattanooga to get uh, up to 181. But the Lord got us here in the same amount of time, and we praise the Lord we could have our service at, at the prison here in, Florida, in, uh, in New York uh, uh, Thursday, and then got to uh, visit the church this morning over in, in Webster, a good time there, and praise the Lord for uh, Kenny giving us a list of contacts there to, to talk to, and maybe we'll be able to get by there in, in another time, but what a blessing it is to be back here at Emmanuel, amen, see, pastor's got his extra big easy chair there, but we thank God he's able to be here with us tonight, and thank God for each of you that are here, we love his church, y'all been really a help and a blessing to us. Through the years, it's 32 years now of prison evangelism for me and my wife, and we have seen, uh, praise the Lord, uh, uh, over 9,800 precious souls trusting Him as Savior, and we give God the glory for that because He's the one that does it. And uh, uh, since uh, 2021, we've been back in our Florida prisons. That was in January. We got a special governor there that lets us go back into prison in, a year ago. And we're good, but now we had to go back with limitations. We had ten per service, even if we had a thousand inmates in the, in the on the compound, in a typical 100, 150, uh, we still only could have ten. But amen. But at least we're back, and we wore our masks. And you know, it's not that easy to do to preach for one of those things. But <laughs> that was that was that first first January of twenty one. But we got through that and got in to be able to increase the attendance some and the, the, the six foot you know uh, social distancing thing is uh, kind of now it's pretty pretty much back to normal I have to say as far as our chapel attendances we've had it uh, really slow last year but this year uh, thus far this year we've had 63 precious souls trusting Christ as Lord and Savior it's, it's already more than uh, last year so we praise the Lord for the hand of God upon the work. Uh, it's amazing to see how the Holy Spirit, even with those restricted numbers, still works. Amen. 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 In those crowds, we, we with 10, but we could see the hand of God working in their, in their hearts and lives, and some 
even professing Christ as Savior. So we give God the glory for it, and thank you so much also for your prayers and your, your help with the new vehicle. That, I've had a friend tell me last January in 21 that I needed to get a replacement vehicle account and raise uh, money for a new uh, vehicle. That, that 05 Lariat uh, had 600 plus thousand miles on it, and, and uh, we were going to drive it till the Lord came, and uh, intent to. And he said, well, it's inevitable. You're just going to have to replace it. I had to say yes, sir. You know, he's a pastor. And uh, so we, I talked to the mission board, and they set it up. didn't bother them. And then we got to pray, and we did pray. And y'all prayed. Lots of people prayed. Praise the Lord. But there, between uh, in February of, uh, 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 of 21 and, and November of 21, uh, enough uh, money came into that account to, to order uh, that brand new uh, lariat out there, and we did. And then they, they told us it'd be three months before you can get delivery of it. And we said, well, praise the Lord, we'll just drive this one until, until it comes. And that's what we did. We were here last year and expecting to see it by Christmas, but it didn't happen. But anyway, praise the Lord, it's out there now, and it's been dependable. It's got a, I got, it's got a good, uh, good uh, feel to it on the highway, so we're looking forward to using that one until Jesus comes. Amen. And thank you for praying. Thank you for your help. Uh, Al, when you pray, please pray for, and thank you for praying for my neck and my back and uh, Yvonne, our, our health. We, we're holding on pretty well, I'd have to say, but we do uh, uh, ask that you pray for our South Carolina prisons. Uh, the New York uh, facility is going to open, has opened already, and uh, the one that we go to in Connecticut will open next for next year, I believe. But uh, in South Carolina, they're still holding their feet. Uh, the, the, the inmates uh, with the uh, restrictions there for, for COVID restrictions, and I think they're trying to vaccinate everybody in the camp. I don't know what they're doing. But anyway, please pray, because I believe it's in God's hands and that we'll actually get back into those prisons with the gospel. And that's what we want to see happen is the gospel be preached in these facilities. So please pray for that. Uh, the uh, text tonight, if you want to look in your Bibles, I know you've got King James Bibles here. That helps. Amen, because we don't have anything else ourselves. But uh, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 14. First Samuel chapter 14. Our text will be from verses 1 through 16, and we'll look at some of the other verses in the chapter as well, but the highlighting verse 15 where the scripture says, there was a trembling in the host in the field and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled. And when we think, what's this, enemy spoilers, trembling or afraid? Well, yeah. Really, uh, they, it shows in the text that they are. The, and the Bible also in our text tonight shows that a dedicated man of God, well, or a woman, uh, that will believe God's Word and push back will bring the fear of God uh, to his enemies. To his enemies. And, and uh, the passage teaches us also it's God that does it. It's truly God uh, that does it. 
when we consult the Bible dictionaries, they'll tell us that spoil uh, is a plunder taken from the enemy in war. And to spoil something uh, is to devalue it, render it worthless. So the Philistines have three companies of spoilers here in this battle, in array, and, and uh, even they uh, are uh, fearful. And, and folks, Satan, Satan has his own strong spoilers. He desires to harm God's people. His spoilers are to rob us. That's uh, their job, to devalue. Uh, he can't take our salvation. Hallelujah, can't do that. Uh, but he can oppress us. And his spoilers will take anything that will surrender to him. And we're going to have battles with him. And anything uh, that we will surrender, I said, uh, they'll take. They will take from us. The devil wears us down, intimidates us. He wants us to quit. Uh, he wants to shipwreck us. That's what the devil wants to do when he sees you. Uh, he wants to shipwreck your life. But hallelujah, I want to thank you, uh, Lord, tonight that we are on the winning side. Amen. Christians are on the winning side. Now, I hope that you are tonight. I hope that you're all on his side uh, tonight. So we're looking in this text. Let's go ahead and read it. Uh, chapter 14, verse 1. And it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were uh, with him were were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over under the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side, and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Boaz, and the name of the other, uh, Sena. The forefront of the one was situate, northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man uh, that bare his armor, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men. We will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord has delivered him into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes of where they have hidden themselves. 
And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And his first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about twenty men, then as it were an half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled. And the earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. And the watchman of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away. And they went on beating down one another. Drop down to verse 23. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto uh, Beth-Avon. Let's pray. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we come before you and ask that you bless the reading of your word. And I pray, Lord, for the anointing of the Spirit of God for preaching the gospel tonight. And ask, dear Lord, that you'd have your sweet will and way in every heart, in every life. We thank you. Uh, dear God, for Jesus on the cross of Calvary, what he's done to provide for our salvations. We thank you, Lord God, that we are uh, on the winning side. And we ask, dear Lord, that you help us, Lord, from uh, this uh, passage of Scripture tonight to see that we can have the victory, uh, even over uh, the devil's spoilers in our day-to-day -day battles, that we will be seeing the devil try attacks. Uh, in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name for this church that you keep a hand upon it, that you continue to bless it, bless their outreaches, uh, the ministries with the children, with the adults, with uh, all of the different uh, uh, ministries of, of Emmanuel uh, Bible uh, Church. We praise you, dear Lord. Uh, Lord, for the hand of God here and, and for their special love for missions and, and for uh, the work of God. I pray that you bless God's people here and the ones that have special needs uh, this evening, we ask in Jesus' name that you'd attend to. And God, if it be healing or a touch of God for, for strength or encouragement, God, we ask that you would grant it. And God, that you would be glorified uh, by uh, God's people here in this place uh, as they look to you in faith believing. We ask in Jesus' name that you would also just direct us and, and, and God watch over us and keep us in and be, help us be faithful. Amen. And amen. So this passage of Scripture does show a, a battle. It, it shows a, a, a battle. It describes the battle between the Israelites, uh, we can call the people of God here, uh, and the Philistines, uh, which can be called a type, uh, a type of, of the devil's forces. But please know this tonight, uh, that battles are a reality in the life of a child of God. Battles are real. Our battles, the battles that we all have and we do have are spiritual, and our weapons, of course, uh, must be spiritual, uh, and we will need our whole armor, that armor of God we teach our, our uh, children about in Sunday school. We'll look over that tonight as well, but uh, hey, 
Ephesians chapter 6 is there for a reason. In the day of battle, in the day of battle, now be the day for you, and every day, we have the help of the one, hallelujah, big old capital O, capital N, capital E, the Lord Jesus. We have the, the help of the one that is ever present in time of need. He is with you. He is with you. And, and, and let that drill down deep somewhere where you know He's always there with you uh, in your battle. Because of what the devil wants to do is to isolate you. He, he wants to, to separate you, make you think you're separated. Uh, and so he can damage uh, your, uh, your, your responses uh, in this battle. Let's look at the context quickly. I won't take too long here, but uh, it's good to understand the setting uh, here of this battle. The people of Israel, this is right at the time after, uh, after uh, Samuel anointed Saul. The people desired a king, and Samuel anointed Saul to be that king. That's chapter 11. And Samuel charges the people in chapter 12 to fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. And that's going to be good advice for any of us. Amen. Fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity, and in truth. And then he goes on and says in chapter 12, But if, if ye shall still do wickedly, shall be consumed, both ye and your king. That's just saying, don't do it. Don't do wickedly. Amen. In the early years of Saul, uh, Israel was often at war with the Philistines. And uh, at this point that we're looking at between chapter 12 and 13 there, they had 3,000 men. Left uh, that were led by the king and his son Jonathan. And chapter 13, though, describes a major offensive uh, by the Philistines. Verse 5 says, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. So this is a, a major uh, special forces groups coming uh, to attack. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and an innumerable host of people, that'd be those spoilers, had come to invade uh, Israel. And this battle, the battle is in array in a mountainous region of the tribe of Benjamin's uh, uh, possession there between Gibeah and the Philistine-occupied uh, city of Michmash. And there was a valleyway passage between two crags or rocky cliffs. This Bible describes them as boas, and, and Sia, uh, and uh, you've heard that uh, expression, between a rock and a hard place, that's where this comes from. <laughs> and so that, there's this valleyway passage between these two rocky cliffs there, and that separates the forces of, uh, at Gibeah and Mishmash. Now Saul, his troops have dwindled now down to 600. He's had desertions, major desertions have come. Verse 15 has said, And many of the Israelites have actually crossed over Jordan to avoid the battles altogether. Some are hiding in caves and such, verses 6 and 7 says. And the Philistines have three companies of spoilers ready to plunder the land. The battle is in their hand. They believe it. They believe they got it. All they got to do is just sweep it up after it's over. But in spite of being outnumbered, in spite of being outnumbered as they are so, so woefully, our passage shows 
a great triumphant victory. Great triumphant victory. Because look, it's Jonathan and his no-maimed armor bearer are willing to stand against the enemy and push back. Stand against the enemy. And they initiated this first skirmish of the battle. They responded to the enemy's challenge, come up to us. I don't know how long it took Jonathan and his armor bearer to climb that rock seal. Uh, but the Philistines obviously thought it wasn't going to happen. They probably didn't even believe it was going to happen because they were surprised. They were surprised. The Bible shows that Jonathan and, and his armor bearer slew about 20 men on a half acre of land. Not a very big spot, actually. Not too big, about the size of a half, half uh, end zone to a 50-yard line of a football field. Anyway, it wasn't a whole lot of space there, but they did uh, the initial... Uh, uh, skirmish, there was 20 uh, men killed, Philistines, and that loss, which actually, I mean, I'm not going to try to analyze that, but that loss caused the entire Philistine garrison to fear, and fear greatly. I believe it was because of the surprise of being attacked at all. They're on a high, lofty vantage point. And here comes Jonathan and this armor bearer up here killing, killing their men. That, that battle caused the entire Philistine garrison to fear to the point of trembling, trembling. I've had bad fevers and colds where you just kind of sit there and shake waiting on to cover up and all. Uh, but that's how these, these soldiers were at the loss of 20 of their, of their uh, comrades there uh, at this lookout tower. So uh, this is showing us it's showing us, that, that, and the Bible's showing us uh, that, that God gave them this tremendous victory, a tremendous victory. Now, God has given victories to His people, uh, Christian people, uh, in our nation's history, in, the, in our nation, uh, the USA, in our nation, and even um, in our uh, church uh, history, if you can think back with me a moment. Uh, religious liberty is a scriptural position. And it was on the, the colonial church's properties where the, their members, the Minutemen, trained uh, before uh, the Revolutionary War. Uh, the people of God wanted to worship according to their own conscience and not according to the laws of King George. So that's, that's already uh, in, in uh, our American history. And there were revivals uh, in the late 1800s. Uh, it, where uh, like Billy Sunday and other evangelists like D.L. Moody and Charles Finney uh, would come to a city for weeks at a time, a city like Rochester or, or Syracuse or any, any of these uh, major cities of the day, weeks at a time, and by the time their meeting was over, the bars and other dens of iniquity would close down. Well, why, Brother Jim? How come? Because their customers were getting saved and, and, and started going to church. There wasn't any need to stay open. And uh, I can remember this, uh, strongly churched communities, dry counties. I'm talking about like out west where I was raised in West Texas. As a boy, now I noticed that every weekend my dad would go to the county line liquor store. And why was that? Because the people in our county always voted no alcohol. So to get any, any alcohol or any liquor, you had to, to go all the way to the, to the uh, border of the next county. No alcohol, the reason was that the churches in our community were a, a strong political influence. 
The preachers preached against it. The people didn't want it, and they voted against it. So there wasn't alcohol uh, in those in those areas. So yeah, there's been there's been a lots of losses that we could say that the devil and the spoilers have robbed us of our our culture and our society uh, is is nothing like uh, it had been uh, when it was uh, looked to to the God of Glory for for His provision and, and, his, and his trust. But uh, too many Christians today, too many Christians today don't even know that there is a fight going on. Uh, too many Christians today don't want to take a stand in their spiritual lives. They'd rather go along uh, to get along and live uh, for the moment. Too many Christians today would rather surrender what belongs to them to the devil's spoilers than to fight back. Brother Jim, can we have victory again? I believe. I believe, yes, we can have victory again. How can we beat back the devil? Well, we're going to look at this chapter, chapter 14 once again. And please remember as we do, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you're not in this alone. First uh, John chapter uh, 4 and verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in uh, uh, the world. So I'm going to preach a little while tonight, uh, Lord willing, on the spoilers trembled. The spoilers trembled. And please notice uh, three things, please, about the spoilers. Uh, first, see convinced leadership in verse 6. And then, uh, secondly, a committed follower in verse 7. And, and finally, uh, nobody said it would be easy, verse 13. Looking at the convinced leadership, let me read that t verse again. Jonathan said to the young man that bear his armor, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or uh, by few. Jonathan, of course, is the eldest son of King Saul, and he leads a third portion of the troops normally. But all the, the uh, desertions of the, of, the, of the Israelites has caused uh, a great uh, a loss in, amongst their ranks. But our text shows that Jonathan believes that Israel can still have the victory, uh, even though uh, they're set outnumbered so drastically. And he's enjoins his armor bearer. He, he actually has convincing his armor bearer uh, to go with him to battle. Go with me now to the battle. And, and he's showing us. What he shows us in this verse is he believes there's nothing impossible with God. Amen. That'd be something else to drill down. Just go ahead and get that where you know that's always there in your mind. Nothing impossible with God. Right. Faith in God is a hallmark of a convinced leader. And that inner belief uh, that God will make a way and that His way is right will inspire the confidence in His followers. Right. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For it coming to God must believe it is. It is a reward of Him that diligently uh, seek Him. Faith in God is the key 
the key to our relationship with the Lord. Believe He is. Hebrews 11.6 Believe God is. Believe Jesus is His only begotten Son. Believe sin is serious. Sin is serious. It's not a joke. It's not a comedy show. And God hates it. And God hates it. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says this, These six things does the Lord hate. I'm not going to quote this, and I'm not reading it really, but I just, it's those things we know, we've read it. Pride, lying, murder, wicked heartedness, desiring mischief, false witness, and sowing discord. God hates these things. The Scripture says. Hates a strong word. But believe that God loves sinners. Believe also while you're believing that God loves sinners. But God commended His love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting uh, life. And realizing that God has adjudicated the unrepentant sinner with death, that's already settled. That's already settled in God's Word. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. And no, the Bible shows us that people that do sin, people that enjoy their sin, even enjoy the company of, of sinners, Romans chapter 1 and verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God that they which do such things are, are worthy of death, not only the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Hate. God hates sin. It's a strong word, I realize. But the wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of God. God hates sin, but God loves sinners. He loves sinners. The death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a gospel message to believe. If you haven't received it, you need to see Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just any way you can come to Him and tell Him, Yes, Lord, you want what He has for your salvation, for your soul. That's the key even to our own relationship is faith in God. But we see the leadership is demonstrating faith in God, and Jonathan is showing us this. But then look at the, the uh, armor bearer, verse uh, 7. The armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Jonathan's armor bearer is assuring Jonathan that whatever may come, he's with him. He is not going to desert him. He's not going to leave him. And obviously, this is the right thing, right thing to do, and it shows great loyalty. He's loyal. He's, he is, is, is with his uh, Jonathan. And Jonathan is more honorable than his father. We, we read through the Bible there in some of those passages where you know, his, his Saul was not, not too honorable of a man. But Jonathan was, and, and I believe that's his apparent through his armor bearer. He wants to follow Jonathan. An honorable man will seek honorable men to follow. Johnson's armor bearer says that he'll be with him in all he does. And the Bible tells us, tells us believers that 
whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 speaks of wholeheartedness, total involvement, and commitment. Johnson's armor bearer is believed that God had put him right where he was, and he was going to do his job with all his might. As unto the Lord and not for vain glory. You don't even see his name mentioned in our text. He does his job. He does his job. And what is that? He's carrying Johnson's armor. Carrying his armor. We know that armor provides protection in the battle. And he's carrying Johnson's for him. And folks, we, you and I will need armor uh, ourselves for our battle. We will need uh, God's armor. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. And I said, I know we've all read these verses in Sunday school, but this bears repeating this evening. So look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. (coughs) Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for uh, all saints. See, this... It's not something you can go down to the sporting goods store and get. No, this is God's. This is His armor. It's His armor. And we see there's this truth. It's His truth. And Jesus even said He is the way, the truth, and the life. In the breastplate, it's His righteousness. His righteousness. Isaiah 54 says, No weapon is formed against thee shall prosper, every tongue that rises against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is a heritage of the children of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. This armor is all His, but it's for us in the battle. And His gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. His faith. Habakkuk said, The just shall live by faith. And in Romans, Paul said, as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. It's all His. His salvation. His salvation. It's everlasting, eternal. It's settled in heaven. Hallelujah. It's His Word. The sword of the Spirit. His Word. Pure, perfect, powerful uh, Word uh, of God. So we have this armor. It's His armor. It's His battle. So we need to keep our armor intact and have it in place for the battle. <laughs> that way we won't be losing the battle. That sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. 
that shield of faith, the fiery darts. I, hey, um, I don't know this for sure. Time out. I don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't say. But I could see that the devil with an arsenal of fiery darts and with those terrible warheads, the dart of pride, the dart of lying, the dart of murder, the dart of wickedness, the dart of mischief, the dart of false witness. It'd be just like him. It's like Satan to afflict Christians with the things God hates. Praise God we have our shield of faith. Praise God we have our shield of faith. Now, this isn't some big old wall you can stand behind. It's one uh, handheld shield that you can kind of move up here where your head is or move down below where it protects your, your, your body. But it, it is uh, movable and handheld, but it's a faith, a shield of faith. And the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we got the sword in one hand and the shield in the other. The shield to deflect those fiery darts, the fiery darts of the devil. And after you deflect each incoming dart, return a counterattack. The devil shot at you with a dart to hurt you, so get him back. Tell him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let him know, Scripture, the word of the of, the, of God is the sword. Tell him. Tell that devil, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And tell him, uh, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The word of God is your offensive weapon in this whole armor of God that he's given us. And, and when we use his armor or are protected by his armor, we're not going to need to surrender to the devil anything or, or, or turn, but the key, the key to this passage is to stand, therefore. To stand. And, and, and not uh, to surrender or to, or, or, uh, to run. So, yeah, Jonathan has uh, got the armor bearer carrying his armor. The key word is stand in our verses we just read. But finally notice, finally... Notice, nobody said it would be easy. Nobody said it would be easy. Verse 13. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew uh, after him. Today there's just too much of looking for the easy way. Looking for the easy way. The Bible tells us, Thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The Bible uh, tells us uh, that, that we should endure hardness as a good soldier uh, of Christ uh, Jesus. So uh, it's not going to be easy. But let's, we see here from this passage, verse 13, Jonathan climbed upon his hands and upon his feet, and his arm bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his arm bearer slew after him. This, this is telling us 
that it's not going to be easy because Jonathan had to climb up this hill, this, this, this cliff, uh, upon his hands and upon his feet. You can't walk up the side of a cliff. And uh, this tells us how steep this actually is. And I don't climb mountains. I never thought that I'd care to do that. But uh, uh, I, I do know a little bit about inclines from my days as a roofer. When I was a young man, I did shingles and that kind of thing for money. And uh, we'd uh, install those shingles and, and then, uh, then go to the next job, next job. That was, that was what I did for, in early years. And so I know a little bit about inclines in that. And, and uh, this is saying that Jonathan is climbing up uh, upon uh, this roxia uh, upon his hands and upon his feet. Well, the roof pitch, roof pitch, the engineers will tell us that the roof pitch uh, is uh, a vertical rise divided against horizontal span, but that's a little more complicated than most roofers care uh, to, to know. Uh, so uh, we just say that on a 12-foot run, a 12-foot run, an increase of a foot uh, in elevation uh, is, is a one a pitch. So one foot, a 12-foot run. Uh, 1-12 roof is actually nearly flat, just enough slope to drain water off. A two, or a three, or a four uh, is walkable. I mean, you can start at the eave and walk all the way to the ridge and then back down the other side, if you're careful, and, and not fall off. But a five, once you get to a five, it's uh, now steep enough. You're going to climb up there like this, or you will slip, hands and feet. This is how Jonathan went up the side of this, this hill with his armor bearer behind him. And then they're killing Philistines all the way. So it's not going to be an easy thing to respond maybe in our battle. But we're going to have to respond. We're going to have to go ahead and respond. We see uh, that uh, they killed Philistines all the way. When they, got, when they got to the top, the Philistines were afraid. They were surprised that actually that they'd have an attack by the Israelites, but attack they did. But I want you to see something else. Over. This is key. This is key. I mean, I believe Johnson is reacting faithfully. His armor bearer is loyal, and they're going up the side of this mountain. But let's look at verse 15 again. And the Bible says, uh, And there was a trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people. Now, it's 36,000 special forces troops and three companies of spoilers here. I mean, it's innumerable number. But they're trembling. The spoilers, they also trembled. And the earth quaked. The earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. You see the divine intervention here, supernatural involvement. The message is about godly leaders' faith and a committed followers' loyalty and overcoming a difficult course. 
And that initial battle, that initial battle was a surprise attack on the Philistines. And Israel, though, winning the battle, this uh, first skirmish terrified the Philistines to tremble with fear. But the Bible talks about uh, the trembling, the, the earth quaking, so that there was a great, very great trembling. So, does anybody here tonight believe that that is a hyperbole? I don't believe so. Uh, do you know the difference between hyperbole and a metaphor? Well, they're both are figures of speech and often used in the Scripture. Uh, but a metaphor is a statement describing something as something else that it cannot literally be. And one common metaphor we might see is the Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd uh, is a keeper of sheep, four-legged animal sheep. So, but... Of course, the Lord is my shepherd. David is saying about himself, and we say it about ourselves too. A hyperbole is an obvious exaggeration for a special effect, uh, like a people uh, that are numbered as the sand of the sea in multitude. I mean, that's exaggeration. Take a, take a bucket of sand and dump it out on a glass tabletop or something and count each grain of sand, you get an idea of a mathematical equation there, and, and then you might know how much, uh, you know, how many grains of sand in a bucket, and, and try to try to make a, an equation with population of people. But they're they're it's just saying it's an exaggeration, saying, hey, we can't number this. There's too many, too many, and that's not bad. But I believe this is a ground-shaking earthquake, and not a hyperbole, because look. Look at verse 19 again. I don't think we read that, but let's read it. It came to pass as Saul talked unto the priest, the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said to the priest, Withdraw thine hand. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow. And there was a very great Discomfiture. These Philistines are escaping this mountaintop, getting away back home after losing 20 of their troops. But that earthquake that shook that mountaintop that God sent is, is what actually is sending those Philistines packing. Amen. Obvious. Obvious. But that's what we've got in our battle. And don't forget that there's this supernatural equation that God can pull you through and God can deliver you because uh, 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 you're His. You are His child. He, he didn't set you in a battle to lose it. He, he wants you to win your battles with the devil's attacks. But He's given us even what we need uh, to face uh, the battle. So we've got this, uh, uh, this, this victory. Tremendous victory in our in, 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 this, in this battle that's a type of our uh, battle with uh, the devil. Now let me just say in the closing, the devil's spoilers aren't afraid of you. They're not. And, and, and they are, however, of uh, he that is in you. They are afraid of he that is in you. If you're going to cause his spoilers to tremble, you'll need your walk with God to be clean and close.
plain and close. First John 1 John 1.7 If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You've got to get right to get the light. If you are clean, if you are close, you'll also need to stand, to stand in, in the battle. We see here that Saul was complacent. He was complacent. And he was king. He was king now. As far as he was concerned, I suppose, he, he figured he'd arrived under his pomegranate tree, getting some shade. And his, his troops were deserting his army every day. But Jonathan chose to advance. Jonathan chose, to, he chose to stand. And ignoring our battle, ignoring the battle that we have with Satan will not make it go away. It's not going to go away just because we ignore it. And these spoilers, they might be teasing you now. There may be some spoilers on your porch when you get home. Uh, telling you, come up and fight. It's serious. The devil, he wants your family. He wants your wife. He wants your children. He wants to shipwreck your testimony where you won't be profitable to the Lord at all. He wants you broken and wasted. So don't surrender. Don't, don't quit. Trust in God. Trust in God. The devil's side is not the winning side. And the lesson we have here tonight from this uh, passage of Scripture is uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer went up the side of the hill because they believed that God could deliver them. Even if it's, we're outnumbered, even if we are in a minority now as, as Christian people in, the, in our country, but even as a minority, we still have God on our side. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we do thank you, dear God, for your goodness and mercy and love. I ask that you uh, bless God's people. Help us, Lord God, in the, the battles that we have uh, with Satan. Help us, dear Lord, to have this victory. Uh, Lord Jesus, and not to surrender uh, to Him. Help us, Lord God, uh, to stand. Uh, help us, Lord God, uh, to actually uh, become skillful uh, in uh, sword play and, and our, our shield use so that we can uh, be effective. And we'll praise You and thank You for all that You do. In Jesus' name.